Our scripture lesson this morning is a continuation in our reading and our teaching from the Old Testament book of Genesis. We're calling it Foundations as we're seeing how Abraham and Sarah set the foundation for all of our faith. Their story gets retold more in the New Testament than any other, and it's sometimes easy for us to come to our Christian faith, and only look at the New Testament. It's so essential to take these Old Testament stories and see what we learn and see how this continuation of the faith started with Abraham and Sarah. We're told that Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him faithful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear at this time next year. Years ago, Regina and I were newlyweds, and I had given Regina a gift, and I accidentally broke it. I had to fess up. Being the good husband I was, I apologized, and her response back to me was a smile and said, oh, it's not broken, it's just loved. Needless to say, it made me feel better. But I learned over the years that that is how my wife views items all the time. If you break a teacup, it's not broken, it's just loved. If you give her something and you look at it and find a crack or something happens in it and say you feel bad, don't feel bad. It's just all the part of the process of having something and caring for it and having things happen along the way. Needless to say, that has served me well a number of times as I continued to break things in our home accidentally. The reason I raise that, st- that story and that example is because Sarah and Abraham viewed themselves as broken. If you've been paying attention and following along as we've told our stories and looked at the book of Genesis, we realize why they would have thought of themselves as broken people. They had failed many times. Now, we like to go to the Bible and talk about heroes of the Bible. There's only one hero in the Bible, and that hero is God. The rest of the stories are about failed people like you and me who make their mistakes, who have their errors, who mess up time and time again, who do something wrong and then do it wrong another time. And that certainly is what we find with Abraham and Sarah. Alona referred last week to all of the different things that they did wrong. Passing Sarah off as his sister Abraham did one time, even though they were married, thinking somehow that that would buy them some time, only to have Pharaoh say, oh, if she's your sister, I'll take her as my wife. And now they had a problem to deal with. Or probably the most despicable error that they made, and the thing that they certainly look back on in their life, was a whole relationship between Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, and how this child Ishmael gets born, not to mom and dad who are married, but to Abraham who has his wife's maidservant get pregnant because of their act. Now I know we've had things in our life that we're not proud of, every single one of us. 
But isn't the story of Abraham and Sarah much like you and me? Not in the details, but in the overall fact that we have had the things that have happened in our life that when we look back on, they can certainly trouble us. That's why I'm fond of saying the weakest six inches of muscle in any of our bodies is the six inches between our two ears. Because that's what gets us into trouble. As we think and we reminisce and we hold on to things that we need to learn to get over. Now this morning in our text, Abraham and Sarah literally have a breakthrough with God. They finally are able to start coming to terms with what is happening and what has happened in their lives. They start to discover, and hopefully the rest of their lives will live out the fact that in God's eyes, they aren't broken. They're just loved. That's how God views you and me. When we look at ourselves with guilt and shame and remorse, we are not looking at ourselves with God's eyes. Years ago, there was a song that when I was in Bible college, I had a singing group that we took out to different churches, and it talked about being able to see the world through God's eyes, not through our own. That needs to start with ourselves, to look at ourselves the way God views us as opposed to the way that we are so prone to looking at ourselves. Because when we see ourselves as broken, we don't understand the whole story. And yet broken is a way that many people view their lives. One of the major reasons that people view themselves as broken, and this may describe you, trust me, as a pastor, I've had enough people who have come and talked to me, it's from reliving our missed opportunities. Do I get an amen? We go back and we say, I wish I had known now, no, I wish I had known then what I know now. Now, that's a softer, gentler way of saying about ourselves, I can't believe I was so stupid. We're really beating ourselves up. Verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. He literally falls on his face and laughs. and says, Shall a child be born to a man who's now 100 years old? Abraham and Sarah thought their time was past. They thought the opportunity was over. They thought that having children and getting to have an inheritance that they could pass on to someone else was now for everyone else, but they somehow had missed that opportunity that was so important to them. Yes, they thought descendants were only for others. They couldn't imagine that God somehow still had something in in their life for them and opportunities before them. Many people feel like their life is missed opportunities. I cannot tell you how discouraging it is when we allow ourselves to get focused on what could have been and we think about yesterday and we're of absolutely no use to today. Flo Myler lives in Vermont. She is about to compete in Poland in the world games for pole vaulting. She not only is a pole vaulter, she also runs the decathlon. That means, I'm sorry, the pentathlon. She doesn't do decathlon, she does pentathlon, which means she competes in five events in one day. She's a world champion. She not only is a pole vaulter, she's a sprinter. She competes in two different hurdles. She's also 84 years old. 
She didn't start track and field as a youngster. She started at age 65. She has a message that she likes to share with other people. It's never too late. Your opportunities are not behind you. The way that she tells her story is she was at a track meet that her husband was in, and they needed somebody to run the hurdles that day. She'd never been in track and field, and she said, hey, why not me? I'm only 65 years old. When we view our life as missed opportunities, we fail to understand what God is doing in our life today. We can feel broken when we let missed opportunities define us. However, when we look at ourselves today and say, no matter what the past is, it really doesn't matter, hey, what's in front of us, we start hearing what happens with Abraham and Sarah. Reliving our missed opportunities only tears us down and keeps us from thinking and understanding and believing and living by faith and knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for us today and into the future. That's not the only way in which people think they're broken. The other way in which people feel themselves as broken, and this may, I know, this does describe some of us here this morning, is regrets from bad decisions. On the one hand, we feel like we missed an opportunity, and the, on the other hand, we say privately to Pastor Stan in his office, oh, those sermons are fine for everybody else, but if other people knew what I had done in the, my life, you would understand that God can't use me either. Not true. Oh, verse 18, that Ishmael might live before you, Abraham says, you see, Abraham and Sarah didn't just miss an opportunity, they outrightly disobeyed. Now they're sometime, somehow trying to justify or rationalize in their mind this really horrific decision that they had made. As an example of total human defiance, they chose to misuse another person. The story of Abraham and Sarah and Abraham being sent in to this maidservant, Hagar, in order to get her pregnant so they somehow can fool people and say that this is their child is nothing more than just an example of yuck. Come on, folks. And yet God still used them. Now Abraham sought to manipulate Ishmael into being something that he wasn't. Oh, maybe if I can somehow pass this child off rather than letting Ishmael be Ishmael. We now have a precious child that's been born to this despicable decision. But now God has a blessed child with a future of his own. Regrets over bad decisions can destroy us when all we see is our brokenness either through manipulating and somehow trying to change the past and lying about it, or also somehow trying to deny it or feel bad about it or just simply ruminate over it. Bad decisions leave far too many people feeling broken. Fred Tressler is a 
track coach up in Boston. If you watch the Boston Marathon, you'll actually see him on WBZ. People ask me why I wear a WBZ jacket. It came from Fred Tressler because he's got this high school program where he has these high school athletes that get to go work in the marathon. My son Todd used to be a volunteer. He left one of his jackets around, so I put it on. People think I have a different job. I don't, actually. Not only does he have an important role on Marathon Day, he's also a world-class coach, and he's trained some of the best runners in America. At the beginning of the cross-country season, he takes some of the top athletes every year, and he tells them a story. He tells them about bad decisions, and now he's not looking back. It's not for the purpose of looking back, but it's to help kids understand that bad decisions don't need to be made. So he uses a story differently, but he stands in front of the kids and he says, let me tell you about one of the best athletes I ever trained. He said, she ran the 800 meters and she was number one in the United States. And she came to the Olympic trials where they were going to choose two athletes, the top two runners were going to go on to the Olympics and she was a shoe in to represent the United States. She was running in the middle of the afternoon. She had one shot to run her best 800 ever. And everybody knew you could just pencil her name in. However, for some reason, he said across from the track there was a Starbucks. And she thought it was a good idea to get a frosty latte frappuccino something with a whole bunch of sugar and a lot of caffeine. And she drank it a couple hours before the race. And now she felt great until the blood sugar dropped. And when it came time for the race, rather than coming in first or second, she came in third. And he said it was a bad decision. And she never got back there, and she never ran the, in the Olympics. What do we do with the bad decisions in our life? They may not be as high consequences as Abraham and Sarah, They may not even be as high a consequences as losing the one opportunity in our life to go to the Olympics, but we've all made bad decisions. We all have things that can get into our minds and can make us feel as if we're broken. And that's why the Apostle Paul, sitting in prison, writing to the Philippians, says these words, forgetting the things that are behind, I reach forward to the things that are before me. You see, God does not want us to be broken people. God wants us to be loved. That's who you are. In your father's eyes, God doesn't see the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in your life as defining you and defining me. God just sees it as part of life and part of the experiences. Kind of like the chips in a teacup. You can still drink tea out of a chip teacup. So what God invites us to view ourselves this morning is just loved. Because God redeems our failures. God takes the things in our life that we've done wrong, and he turns them for his purposes. And that's what's amazing about God. Romans 8.28. In all things, in everything, in the worst stuff that we've done in our life, God brings about good for those who love him. We're called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean the things themselves are good. It doesn't mean this act that Abraham and Sarah did on Hagar was good. It was awful. But God still redeems even the worst stuff. 
It's interesting what God's response is to Abraham and Sarah as they're feeling bad. As they're ruminating over the past and reliving what had happened before, God has a very profound answer in his one word, no. Come on, we can all say that, no. That's what we're invited to say when in our mind we start feeling bad over the past and start dwelling on it and start obsessing over it. God says no. For God doesn't view us as broken with missed opportunities and regrets. God views us as just loved, as his beloved children. Let me give you a translation for the word no. Stop your negative thinking. Stop your negative thinking, God says to Abraham and Sarah. Quit letting the past define you. Quit thinking somehow because you've done something or you've missed an opportunity or you get to look around and see the 23-year-old women running around with their kids and you're like, hey, I never had got to have a child of my own. I feel bad about myself. Stop it. It's not making your life any better. God loved Abraham and Sarah and he had a plan for them. He had a plan for them that day, that moment. We gather here today, and God has a plan for every single one of us. No matter who we are, no matter what brought us here, no matter what's happened in our life, God has a plan and a purpose for your life today. Do I get an amen? Amen. That's what we believe. That's what our faith is. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. He's full of grace and love and forgiveness and gives us opportunity after opportunity and grace abounds. The Apostle Paul says when we do wrong, it's kind of like grace and grace gets poured on it and then more grace comes on us. He goes, God is so gracious. Paul's trying to fathom how much God loves and forgives. He goes, God is so forgiving, it's almost like we should do things wrong just so we get more grace poured upon us. And he goes, well, that's crazy thinking, but let me keep writing to these Romans to tell them God loves you and forgives you and is gracious in your life. And that's what it means to be a Christian. In our house, the movie Apollo 13 is legendary. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Apollo 13. They didn't canonize it, but they should have. Only David used to watch it as a little boy, and he couldn't say 13. He had a lisp, so he called it 13, F-I-R-T-E-N, and we call it Apollo 13, the movie. My favorite scene in the movie is when the public relations spokesman says, we've got the parachute situation. He's sitting there thinking, what am I going to tell the public? The heat shield. Angle of trajectory, and now a typhoon. There's just so many variables, I'm at a loss. A NASA worker speaks up in the control room and says, I know what the problems are, Henry. This could be the worst disaster NASA's ever experienced. At which point Gene Krantz, go Google him, he's a real person. And he was in the control room, and he speaks up and he says, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Amen, folks. Jim Lovell didn't get to the moon. Apollo 13 never made its landing. 
but it became one of the greatest missions and greatest things in America's history, simply realizing that now the mission was to get these guys home safe. You see, God's opportunities before us are not based on what could have happened or what should have happened or what we wish would have happened. That's why the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.10 also says, When I am weak, then I'm strong. God's strength in our life is not that he created a bunch of perfect people. That's somewhere else. That's another church. That's not us, folks. We're the people who are messed up. That's why we're here. We've all made mistakes. We all have regrets. We've all done things wrong. Every one of us who's done something wrong now gets to raise our hand. Come on, Tom, get that hand up. I know your wife. God redeems those failures, folks. Every single one of them. Whatever you think that you've done that God can't forgive, God forgave already. God doesn't even remember it. However, God will take those things in our life and God repurposes our past. He doesn't just redeem it, he repurposes it. He graciously forgives us and then he takes the stuff that we messed up and he uses it for a greater purpose and we are just blown away. How did God take that mess in my life and use it for something good? That's why verse 20, he says, as for Ishmael, I heard you. Then he tells his purpose for Ishmael. I blessed him. And I'll make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. You see, what God says is Ishmael, Abraham, doesn't have to be manipulated by you so you can feel good about yourself. I'm already going to take this kid and do amazing things with his life. You didn't even have to ask me. I'm God. This young man is going to be amazing. Which brings me back to Teddy. He's on your bulletin. And his picture was out on Facebook. He does have a creative name, doesn't he, Teddy? Regina named him herself when she was a little girl. She was her teddy bear. He looks a little like Frankenstein because his neck has been sewed together so many times. And he has an outfit on him because he has been repurposed so many times I can't even imagine. Now, you may look at him and you may say, that is a broken-down teddy bear. No, that's just been loved. Because Regina carried Teddy with her all the time when she was a little girl. And then he kind of disappeared for a while. I think he was in a truck just waiting to be repurposed until our first child was born. And David didn't get a different teddy bear. David got Teddy. But then... As the years went on, I think David kind of outgrew Teddy. Now, I don't know who gave Teddy his outfit. It might have been David. It was David. He wants credit for that one. He dressed Teddy. <laughs> but you need to understand, little Todd was a scared little child. He had a time where he became a permanent resident in David's bedroom because he didn't want to sleep alone. And he had a hard time even going to school. And when we took him to school, there was a little triangle I used to have to stand on and tell Todd, don't worry, I'm standing here. When you go to school, when you come out of school, I'll be standing right here. Now, it was really scary for Todd to go to school because it was two doors away from where we lived. 
But David knew what to do. He repurposed Teddy. He just gave Teddy back to Todd. So Todd also had someone with him. Do you see a broken teddy bear, or do you see an object that's been loved in the Cushing household? It's been loved. That's how God views us. God doesn't view you as broken. God doesn't see those things in your life that you think are hurts and pains and regrets and disappointments and, oh, you cannot believe what I did wrong. Because if I've learned anything in the last few years in particular is we work also in ministry with people who are addicts, if it wasn't for a person, it just blows my mind, but if it wasn't for a per- person messing up their life and having an addiction, there would be nobody to help a person who's an active addict today. That doesn't make the past and what somebody did any easier for them to, to say, wow, that happened in my life, but it does do something else. It does help a person realize that God takes everything in our life and turns it around for his glory to help others. That's who God is. Folks, we are not broken. We're just loved. And the brokenness that goes beyond all brokenness, the greatest and worst brokenness of all time is represented before us every single Sunday when we come to worship and we look at the cross. Because on that cross... Our Savior was humiliated. He had been stripped naked. He had been beaten up. He had been laughed at. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And they crucified him on a hill, which wasn't coincidental. That's so everybody in Jerusalem could look over and see that he was being crucified. And they put him with thieves. Now, if you go up to Salem... And there's a Walgreens, and behind the Walgreens, there's a hill. And on that hill, that's where, when they did the killings of the witches, that's where they did it there. Now, those people were innocent people who were murdered. Well, why'd they do it on a hill overlooking Salem? So people could look over and see what was going on. Because somehow, that kind of cruelty and Hurting is supposed to send a message to someone else, and that's what they did with our Savior. They just said, let's humiliate him and let everybody see because we don't want anybody else starting a rebellion the way this guy did. Now, he really started a rebellion. He told people to love each other, and he challenged the authorities of his day, but Caiaphas, the high priest, said, man, if I don't kill this guy, what's going to happen to me? There is brokenness, folks. But on the cross, Jesus repurposed the brokenness as he looked down, barely able to breathe. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And rather than the humiliation and the crucifixion being the end, it was the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity because it means that there's nothing that we need to do to earn our salvation. It's a free gift given to every one of us. We simply need to receive it and accept it as a gift. And it's a mystery. And for thousands of years, people have tried to figure it out. How can that be? And what's it mean to receive this gift? It just means to receive it. It just means to live by faith and to trust. So God takes awful things and redeems them. God takes stuff that we think can't be changed and changes it in our life. It's we who can get in the, in the middle of it and create the problem. 
which is why I've always been fond of that old poem about disappointments, disappointments, his appointments. Just change one letter. Instead of it being the disappointments of our life, it's his appointments. It's what God has allowed to change in our life for the purpose of God doing good because we're not supposed to be perfect people. We're supposed to look a whole lot more like Teddy because that's what happens if we live. And so this morning, I invite you to consider your life. Do you have things you're still holding on to? Do you have things that you wish had been different? And you're allowing them to define you. That's not how God wants us to live our lives. God wants us to understand that we're beloved, we're loved, we're cared for, we're forgiven. And no matter what it is that you and I have done wrong, or no matter what opportunity we missed, in God's eyes, all God is saying is, you're my beloved child and I love you and I care about you.